and welcome to The Friend Show. My name is Maceo Paisley. I am your host. I'm here with Maisha Battle and Francesca Hoagie. We're going to talk about the end of dating, or at least what I think should be the end of dating. I, I think that dating is a symptom of modernity's attempt to structure the way humans interact and the way they interrelate. And so my struggle here is around the technology of dating and how ineffective it is for most people in this day and age to connect. So I'm struggling. And what I have done is enlisted two of my friends. Uh, One is a sexologist and dating coach. Uh, The other is a love coach. And we're just going to hash it out. We're going to talk about some of the misconceptions, some of the uh, approaches that uh, people bring to the table. We're even going to dig into some of my own stuff. So stick around and please get ready to enjoy uh, want to say hello to Francesca and to Maisha. Uh, it's good to see you both here. Uh, thanks for your time. I messaged you both sort of like, you know, with the, it wasn't all caps, but it definitely was, you know, um, a, a sort of shower thought turned into a sort of existential dilemma. And you're two people, if I were going to assemble a crew uh, to solve this problem on the world scale, you're the first two people I'd start with. I specifically think that you're experts in your field and also want to sort of name that I think that the future of, you know, social reorganization is probably going to start at least be inspired by the work of black women, which you both happen to be. So um, welcome to the podcast. What I think we should do is kind of just jump in there. And uh, the first part of this is, you know, just sort of getting to know who you are and what your practice is about. And then we'll sort of dive in. So if you're interested in that, here we go. Maisha, we can start with you. Okay, sure. Um, So I am a certified sex and dating coach based in San Francisco, and I am fascinated by connection and community and helping people create the communities that will allow them to thrive, whatever that means for them. Because yes, we are far too limited, I think, in our belief that, you know, we have to find one person and that that one person completes us. And then we go off in silo into our like little area where we don't think about friends as much. We don't think about how we can connect others as much once we have our little pod. Um, I think it's actually something that's kind of fundamentally wrong with our society right now. Um, and it has been for a while. So I'm, I'm just super excited to get into a conversation about how we can all build more connection. And that's, that's definitely what I help my clients do, you know, whether it's on a trying to get out there and date basis or communicate something very deep and personal and vulnerable in the context of sex with a partner or partners. Those are the kinds of spaces that I try to hold for people. And those are the kinds of connections that I really think are going to transform their relationships. So my motto for my business is better sex, better life. Cause I think that like there is this idea of once we do get the skills to tackle the hard stuff, 
it becomes easier to just generally live our lives. And sex is something that I think a lot of people feel limited, you know, in their communication skills about. So yeah, just giving some skills around that and, and building those bridges is, is my goal. Awesome. And uh, definitely want to check in with you, Francesca, as well and kind of hear what your take is on this stuff. Uh, both of you guys have different approaches to addressing folks' concerns around, you know, finding a relationship, finding love, finding sex, uh, and, and, and sort of getting loneliness. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Um, so my background is I am a recovered lawyer turned initially matchmaker um, and now coach. And um, I do a lot of things under the umbrella of love, but for me, I really see romantic relationships as part of just holistic, like living your life fully, holistically. Um, and I'm very focused on, well, true love as I define it, but it really starts with really understanding what it means to love yourself and like how that actually shows up in practice, not just an idea of like, Oh, I think I'm great. But like, no, like what are your, are you actually treating yourself with love um, every day? <laughs> and, you know, and there's lots of different ways we can talk about that. I talk a lot about self love. Um, but I really believe that if you get to a place within yourself where you're really embodying love, that romantic relationships just, if you want one, um, which most people do in some shape or form, really become an inevitable result of just how you're moving through the world. Um, it's to me, it's not, um, it's really that simple. It's like, if you want a romantic relationship and you understand that you are always going to be half of the equation, like you are the co-creator of any relationship that you form friendship or otherwise, then it becomes, then it's, then it's, more empowering, I find, and my clients find, because then it's like, okay, well, what are my, what's my ability to communicate? What's my ability to be vulnerable? What's my ability to um, actually allow myself to be seen for who I am and to see another person for who they are? Like, so it becomes about, you know, I really believe that love is an inside job. And so in my work, I'm very focused on empowering people to be as loving um, from the inside out and then help them with the strategies of, okay, well now, you know, we can help with all the dating stuff and, and the connecting stuff, but it's really about you fundamentally. Right on, right on. So essentially what I'm trying to do is approach this conversation of dating in this standpoint that, you know, looks at society and says, okay, you know, like Maisha, you were talking about, you know, we find one person and we sort of pull ourselves into a silo with one other individual and it's not about friendship. But one of the things that I've been noticing is that, you know, there's a lot of people that are disenchanted with uh, dating in general, they are also uh, frustrated with being on dating apps. And there's a whole conversation around, um, you know, what digitization of connection has done. Um, and then there's just other people who are, you know, still coming 
out of the pandemic and they're they're feeling a little misanthropic or just like not interested in connecting but they do want that um they do want that relationship it's just like the first part of it being awkward and clunky uh with a person that you don't know and if you're not sure you want to give up your personal time to be with i'm one of those people who has a really full life and good relationships and sometimes i feel like you know what's the point especially if i'm going to encounter ghosting and i'm going to encounter you know people coming at me with their different expectations of how I should behave and um, it's really led me to feel like um, that dating is over that even if it's not over it may maybe I'm just over it and so I'm kind of curious as to how do we approach this and what do we tell people when we find out that they are disenchanted or that they want love but they don't know how to go about it and it just seems like an uphill battle and uh, a, a large part of this is for me understanding like the technology of dating which is to say that you know you're an individual and you're supposed to um, without context of another individual just go on a few interviews and then decide after a number of interviews that you want to sort of hire this person as your significant other and then you introduce them to uh, people that are close to you and then you you go on a couple trips and then you you know there are all these steps that has um, been an implied formula for how you're supposed to cultivate a relationship and there are many people out there who just feel like that formula isn't working for them um, but they still want connection and even you know for some of your clients Maisha they 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 lack and they have a craving for physical touch and sex and intimacy um, but this you know current framework is just not happening for them and you know I say that there, there are moments in time where I identify as this and there are moments in time where you know, I'm like, forget the whole dating thing, um, because, you know, I guess, you know, going back to that point of what is it all for and what is it worth it? Um, but as an optimist, I'm thinking, you know, this is supposed to be an enjoyable exploration of new people and getting to know them and getting to know myself and being curious about what connection I can unlock. And so, you know, I just want to hear what do you tell people when they are feeling disenchanted or how do they come to you and, and how does it start? Yeah, I, I wrote a book called This is Supposed to be Fun, um, How to Find Joy in Hooking Up, Settling Down, and Everything in Between, because I've been faced with so many clients who have that sense of being jaded, feeling left out, feeling like they're doing something wrong by engaging in app-based dating specifically. And I totally agree with you, Maceo. It's it's not us who are broken. It's the system that's broken. Uh, I don't know if either of you listen to If Books Could Kill, but mm. it's a great podcast about popular books that made the rounds and had a huge influence on society and why fundamentally at their core, they're poorly researched, gave terrible advice and left a really terrible legacy. The most recent book that they review on the show is The Rules. And I actually set out to write this book because I had so many, <laughs> yeah, I had so many friends who were picking this book up because it was literally the only thing around as like a guide, uh, a pop culture, you know, uh, guide to dating. And then, you know, they came out with like 50 million iterations of this book, one of which was the rules for online dating. 
So I believe that's the one that was kind of like hot back in the early days of the apps because people were trying to figure this stuff out. And what I loved about this episode of the podcast that they did so beautifully was talk about how, you know, this book came out originally in the 90s to try to help women navigate this new landscape of, okay, you're a career woman, but, you know, you also have to be X, Y, and Z to land a man. Here's how you present yourself as this desirable woman. And what they paint is totally unrealistic. I don't think anybody would really truthfully want this kind of person. It's like very elusive and docile and meek and you don't have any needs until you have a commitment. And then all of a sudden you get to be like a whole person, which is a crazy bait and switch Um, and, and incredibly damaging to the person who is trying to find love, you know, find companionship. It sets us up to believe that we have to contort ourselves into something that we're not. And I loved what you said earlier, Maceo, about black women leading the charge of this, because black women have been having to contort themselves to be something that maybe goes against who they are at their core since I, you know, generations and generations in my family. Um, It's just something that I think um, when we talk about liberation, when we talk about vulnerability, to be able to be in that position of, wait, I know what this does. Like, I know what this feels like to be somebody who is not accepted for who they are, flat out rejected just based on how they look and devalued in partnership because of stereotypes that get carried along. I do think that, you know, there's, there's space for us to begin to use that as a superpower and telling the world like, no, you do not have to do this. You do not have to suppress who you are. And it's a struggle. It's a, it's an actual act of radical rebellion against so many structures to stand firmly in who you are and say, I'm, I'm enough. I'm worthy of love, of praise, of attention, of a healthy sex life, a healthy connection to my sexuality. Um, so there's so much there, but I also wanted to talk about in this podcast episode about if books could kill and the, uh, the rules dating has taken on something that is wholly influenced by patriarchy. And when we look at representations of like classic, classic, whatever, I mean, all this is a construction, but for instance, think about Bridgerton where there is a parlor room full of women who are considering male partners for their daughters. You know, I'm not advocating for this entirely, but I do think there's something to this idea that there is a community of people who is invested in the process of partnership, that there is, you know, uh, an interrogation of people who are entering into your life, you know, with apps, like how much interrogation do we really give people before we sleep with them? You know, like not much in my personal opinion, not much, uh, an experience. Uh, so there's, there's definitely something that feels inhumane about what dating has become. And I really wanted to 
get us back to the focus, which was this connection. We are trying to find connections that ultimately make our lives better, um, help us to actually be our true selves. And um, yeah, just do away with the rhetoric that you have to conform to some standard or some set of rules that makes it somehow easier for you to land a partner because that will that will fail 10 times out of 10. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's the part that resonates with me. Um, you know, it's not so much the apps per se, you know, but it is this feeling of being um, put into some kind of filtering or conveyor belt. And that does feel inhumane um, and it does feel constricting that there, you know, all kinds of, you know, social roles and gender roles and scripts that are flying around. Um, and I, I, I can totally see why that uh, book could be, you know, problematic and things like that. I, I wasn't familiar with it, but I'm sure if it was, it became popular influence culture in a way um, that you continue to see ripple effects years down the road. Um, I do also, you know, want to kind of check in with you, Francesca, on the same subject and kind of see where, you know, this road takes you and, you know, your vantage point on it and, you know, kind of get your thoughts and insights. So, you know, what do you think? Oh my gosh. I have so much to say. I barely know where to begin. <laughs> um, but, um, I, I'm glad Maisha that you brought up the rules and you brought up Bridgerton and, um, and actually Maceo, when you were talking before about like, um, well, I'll just say this dating is a grand social experiment and it's only about 120 years old and only about 90 years old that it's been a mainstream um, accepted, socially accepted activity. So we're really in the infancy of this whole dating thing. And it's, you know, it's, it is the first time in human history where we are individually taking responsibility and saying, I'm going to go out on my own in the world and find a partner. And as you mentioned, Mayusha, that's Right. Yeah. Like you say that again, you know, you, if you're buying a house, you have help, but right, not when dating. Right. Exactly. And so it's this hugely important decision. And, you know, Maceo, you know, you've heard me talk about the fairy tale industrial complex, right. And how we are very much marketed and sold romantic love as this fantasy. And it's about finding one perfect person. And when you find that perfect person, then they complete you and you live happily ever after. And there are all these hoops that you have to jump through. You have to look a certain way and, you know, meet all these certain criteria based on your gender and all this to like be good enough to be chosen to, you know, for love. And so this is a really, really, um, dysfunctional foundation on which to base <laughs> your approach to romantic relationships. Right. Um, so I always start by just letting people understand, like, listen, this is, if anybody tells you, like, I mean, the rules I mean, we could say so many things about that book, which is terrible and did do a lot of harm. Um, but, at, but at the same time, like anybody who's telling you like there is one way to date is wrong. Right. And because first of all, depending on, I actually, um, you know, like I have a podcast episode coming out tomorrow about like, what is your relationship philosophy? Because if you're a person who believes that, um, in a relationship, you need to find somebody who loves you, quote, loves you more than you love them, then <laughs> you have, you have a certain philosophy, you have a certain outlook, you have a certain approach, and you're also going to have a certain type of relationship 
right? Versus if you're someone who views relationships as like two complete people coming together and building something greater than yourselves. And, you know, like, so the starting point is so foundational. So so many people don't ever stop to think, what is my starting point? It's just this, it's just this assumption that like, you're supposed to go out and find somebody and find love. Right. Um, and so I like to really just have people take a big step back. Like, let's take a big step back. Like, what do you actually want? Like, forget about thinking about, I want somebody who's X, Y, and Z. We can all come up with a list of like dream traits, but what do you actually want to experience with your partner? Like relationships have dynamics, they have values. So the relationship that you're, that you're creating with another person, that's something that's unique that's never existed before, right? So what do you want that to be? Because you can say, I want somebody who's X, Y, and Z, but how do you want to feel when you're sitting on the sofa watching Netflix <laughs> and when you're grocery shopping and when you're having a hard time and when your family member is sick and like just when you're literally living your life every day. So I like to like, I mean, we put romantic relationship on this, this pedestal as this ultimate thing. And once you have that, then you're happy and you've made it and you're successful. But I like to actually, as much as I love love, I want to take romantic relationships off a pedestal and bring them into reality where it's just two people and no one's perfect, right? Coming together and what are those two people creating together? And that's about, you know, you and your ability and the people that you, and your capacity for love and the people that you're dating and their capacity for love. Last thing I'll say <laughs> at this time is um, I never ever want anyone to be solely dependent on dating apps. And I kind of, I reject, I, I don't like to conflate dating with dating apps. Like their dating apps are not actually dating. They're really, you could, they're really more like connecting apps because you're not actually dating until you're out in the, you're on a date. Right? And so, um, right. Yeah. That's I, like where you meet. <laughs> it's not the date or when you're doing you right. Like you have to be actually like, so, um, and the dependency that people have on dating apps these days is a big problem. And that's one of the things I'm like, please, I don't want anyone to use that as the only way to meet people because that is very limiting and um, that is very disempowering. Yeah, I love so much of this, right? Because first, I'm always gonna love a philosophical approach to basically anything. Uh, so the fact that you're asking people what their relationship philosophy is really great because that even helps you fill out your dating app bio, which is like, you know, a big problem that people have, which is a lack. And, and like the symptom there isn't so much that they have struggled to fill out their bio. It's not like they can't write, but uh, maybe they have a lack of clarity about what they're actually seeking in the moment. and that makes it harder but anyway the other piece of it is what you were talking about in the, the disempowerment aspect which, which really resonates with me um you know there's uh and and this is where it connects to like the modern social dilemma for me is that you know i i work from home you know this could either be hypothetical or realistic i work from home I'm new to the city, you know, I go to the gym with my headphones on and, you know, because I work from home, it's remote and I spent that takes a lot of my time, you know, I get my food delivered to me and 
I am also, you know, not really into because I'm older going out to bars and clubs and drinking a bunch because I've started to take my self-care and health more seriously. And so what that means is the main or dominant outlet that I have to connect with new people, romantic or otherwise, it's some version of digital connection, which is like Instagram, you know, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, what have you. And then for romance, explicitly dating apps and what that means is that I'm waiting for a match or I'm hoping that things will pan out before I connect with someone in person. So, you know, like, what am I supposed to do or how are you supposed to meet someone outside of apps, <laughs> to put it simply? You should be living your life in a way where you're inevitably connecting with people. So, okay. Yeah. So I, I, so yes, absolutely. The dinner party. Yes. The friend introduction. Yes. But also like just every, my philosophy is every time you leave your house, you have the potential to meet someone special. And I really like people to just get into the mindset of there are multiple people in this world who I could be very happy with, who, I, who would love to love me and I would love to love them. And I don't know exactly where they are. I don't know who they are. I don't know how I'm gonna meet them. I just know that they're out there. So it's my job to show up in the world in a way where when I do encounter them, I'm able to actually capitalize on that opportunity. And, and, okay. I, and I will say, you know, um, you know, from the safety perspective, I overstand, you know, I grew up in New York City. I've been getting street harassed since I was nine years old by grown men like i get it <laughs> okay but at the same time um you have to i'm i'm a big believer that in really empowering yourself to know that you can protect yourself you can have discernment right being open doesn't mean now you're open to every joker and every you know what i'm saying like you still have boundaries and you still have an ability to trust yourself to trust your intuition um but i'm a very big believer in yes, doing those strategic things, but also just not having it be like, dating is in this special category and meeting someone romantically is in this special category and I have to be in a special place and a special mindset and I have to be where I have to be dressed a certain way and I have to look a certain, like, no, you're living your life. So I met my partner walking down the street in LA on my way home one night, right? And I have had relationships in the past with people. I've also just met, you know, I, and that some guy in Delhi once, right? And so, but it's a mindset and it's a way of approaching life and people and connection where where that is something that is even likely to happen. Right, yeah. I mean, like, if you're on a dating app, you're open to meeting people, but you could just be open to meeting people in real life because everyone that's on a dating app is someone in the world. <laughs> exactly. It's the same people. So I said, like, people are like, oh, I don't, I'm not, you know, people on dating apps. I'm like, they're just humans that are in the world. Like, this is not some special category of people who only exist on your phone. Right. And so and there are a lot of people out there who are available who aren't on dating apps. So right. it's, it's really it's a it's a big shift to stop to think to stop thinking that there's one way like. Like, I just want, like, again, every time you leave your house, you have the potential to meet someone special. If you have that intention and you set that intention, not a wish, not a hope, it'd be great to meet someone. I would love to meet someone, but like, no, I'm ready to meet someone, right? I'm ready. This is, I know what kind of relationship I want to have and I'm excited. I'm excited and now I'm open. I'm just like, all right, 
Is it you? No, not you. Is it you? Maybe. Let's get to know each other. And that's how I want people to move through the world when they're looking for partnership. Yeah. So fully, fully, fully endorse that the apps are, I always tell my clients tools for connection. So for any of you, yeah, basically said that, um, they're, they're tools, you know, humans need tools, but we can also fashion them to be what we need them to be. And that's where I think it's really important to look at like, how are you using the apps and how are the apps using you? (laughs) Because the apps want to use you. That's their thing. They want to monopolize your attention. They want to keep you active and they want to keep you seeking. And ultimately that's not the goal that my clients have. They want to stop seeking eventually. So I also fully endorse having a multi-pronged attack, um, approach rather to dating where, you know, you are staying open and you're doing things that fuel you, you know? So I get the question all the time, how do I meet somebody in real life? Which is the saddest question to receive because it shows just how, um, disconnected we are to humanity, generally speaking, and how disempowered we feel to go about our day-to-day lives, enjoying ourselves, and then connecting with other people around that. So actually, I want to throw it back to you, Maceo, because I think of you as this social butterfly, but I'm curious, do you feel like you have limitations in IRL situations that may keep you from getting the connections that you want? <laughs> all right. Put me on the hot seat. Well, you know, first of all, I think that, you know, my challenges are maybe not the challenges of every person out there. I'm like pretty good looking and pretty charming, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> but, you know, to answer seriously, I think that um, part of that is the fact that there are systems in place that, you know, per, you know, you know, sort of challenge a particular kind of performance. Um, There's people that have expectations about how I should uh, approach them as a man, as a black man. Um, There's economic considerations of people looking at you. And you also just don't know if people are open or available or single or whatever. And so there is a benefit to letting the app take the wheel and just sort of put people in front of you that um, they are have already identified themselves as potential candidates for romantic connection because they've opted into being on the app. Um, but in terms of meeting people in real life, you know, I think that I am totally equipped to walk up to someone, get a little flirt going, chat with them and kick things off. You know, uh, my favorite sort of situation is the coffee shop meet cute. Um, but even there, there's obstacles, right? Because, you know, you go to that coffee shop every day and maybe they they work there and there's a barista and you're trying to figure out, you know, is this person actually like me or do they are they just being nice to me because you know, they work there and that's their job. You know, there's always a second guessing that can happen and you're trying to read between the lines, right? But then, you know, I I also think that there's a stigma around, you know, being perceived as some kind of player or something just because you're interested in talking to people. You know, one of the things that you have to do is continuously, you know, be open to connecting with people. And that doesn't mean you're always hitting on them, but it does mean you're chatting up people. And I do have like, 
some kind of reputational risk when considering, oh, you know, am I going to be seen as the guy that just hangs around this coffee shop to pick up chicks? And like, you know, there's attractive women that come in here after yoga or whatever. And I'm just, you know, seen as some some cruiser. Um, and so I think about that. Um, it doesn't, you know, uh, stop me from talking to someone that I think is interesting or special. But what it does is sort of, you know, um, you know, it reframes like uh, my viewpoint on what the opportunity actually is. You know, I read a lot of these blogs that say, well, I'm not putting myself on display for the male gaze and attention. And that stuff does affect my psyche and it does um, make me, you know, second guess whether I should even uh, reach out to someone. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's happening in a moment. And obviously, sometimes you just, you know, say hello to someone that you've seen. Um, but these are kind of like, the way that you know mm -hmm. I think about it and how I'm approaching yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, this is dating with a very hetero mindset of like, fair. If I mix myself in with this community that all knows each other, and maybe I get mixed reviews, then that actually says something about me. In queer spaces, it's like I dated him, I dated his boyfriend, his ex. His, also, when they were open, I was fucking them. And then she came into the mix and she's her cousin. Like all of this stuff, it's just, it's such a, a smaller, you know, um, it's a microcosm of the dating world that it just is, I think, more culturally accepted to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I know we're going to have some overlap. We may have dated the same person, you know, back in the day, but who are we now, you know, and what is the relationship that we're trying to build with this current partner? So I want to like free you up a little bit from that hesitation or fear, because you're right. People are going to have different experiences of you. People have had different experiences of me, not all great. And you have to just keep it moving, especially if you feel like you have done the best that you can do to be in integrity with how you want to show up in dating. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that's helpful of just being like, yeah, this is like a unique situation because we're all straight and I happen to be male and there is a stigma attached to dating lots of women, going to this one place, being a player. Yeah, I mean, there is that for sure, but there's also stigma around even being fluid and, you know, how some people wouldn't want to date me because they perceive me as being too feminine or too open. And, you know, that's 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 kind of messed up. But I guess at the, at the same time, you know, I'm filtering out those people who aren't a good match. Um, but, I, you know, it's. Francesca, you have something about, um, you know, rejection and, and how that's helpful and, and things like that and, and like sorting there, which I think would be interesting for you to talk about. Um, but absolutely, you know, I think that in a small town or in an ecosystem where there is like a community of people that have very similar interests, you know, you're going to be interested in people that know each other. You're going to have dated or slept with people that know each other. And, um, you know, there's really no way of getting around that. So probably the easiest thing to do is, you know, approach it with a state of acceptance and realism and, and, and be like, OK, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I yeah, I agree with what Maisha, what you said. And I, and I would add to that. OK, so you have your situation. Everyone has their situation. 
And the stories that we tell ourselves about our situation are really, really powerful. And this is something that, this is a conversation I have a lot with black women because black women, I swear, there is a media campaign (laughs) to convince black women that we are unlovable and that no one, like, it's like, it's like, you can't, once you see it, you can't unsee it, (laughs) right? And so a lot of black women, especially, you know, women who are my clients, they, you know, they're professional, they, they got their shit together. And so they have a lot of story around who's going to want to be with me, how this is going to limit my choices, the assumptions I have to make, how I have to show up to combat that. And it's so much. So going back to you, Maceo, I say that I, one thing that I talk a lot about is transcendence. Cause I'm not saying that none of those things are, um, true, right? Like it's not, it's, it's true that there are going to be women who are going to judge you for various reasons, but you don't have any control over that. So giving your, giving your emotional and mental energy to that, all that's doing is creating more distance and more of a challenge for you and actually having the love that you want. Right. So, because now you're like, well, I would talk to her, but I can't because what if she said, you know, so it's all of this. So, you know, you are one of one, everyone is, but you are one of one and you are unusual in many ways. And so I just really encourage you and I can relate to that because, you know, I'm also unusual in many ways. Like, um, and Maisha, I know you are too, even though we just met. Right. And so it's like, you just have to own who you are and just let go of all that noise, let go of all that noise. Right. Like somebody's going to think something that's what, what's she going to do? We can barely control our own thoughts, much less. Now we're trying to guess somebody else's thoughts and then try to shift ourselves to what they might think. So that's one thing. Um, and the other thing is I would just also encourage you to consider, um, the, um, the correlation between the relationship that you want to have and what real compatibility looks like for you and what you might use as a proxy for that compatibility. Right. So even the fact that, you know, you feel like, Oh, I've got, she's got to have a certain style. We got a certain interest. Like you, you could have an amazing, amazing, like your next relationship could be the best relationship and probably will be the best relationship you've ever had. And it could be with somebody who's so not what you expected. You know what I'm saying? And so it's very, and I, and so just whenever anybody's using anything that's, um, you can see at a glance as a proxy for compatibility, I would just encourage you to challenge that and to, think about how you can move past like, yeah, you might have a preference. Yeah. Yoga, cute. She looks, you know, I like her style. Like that's fine. You know, your preferences, but preferences are not needs. And oftentimes we get so attached to a a certain preference that now it becomes an actual block to the, to the actual love that you're seeking. So I would encourage you to liberate your mind and how you think about, um, how you think about what, what, obstacles you think that you're going, that you're assuming that you're going to encounter. And the last thing I'll say about this, cause you know, I can go on and on and on. I talk a lot, Maisha. <laughs> I was worried that this wasn't going to be enough time for us because yeah, I was like one hour. Uh Oh, <laughs> so much to say, right? So much. so much to say. So you wrote a whole book about, it. by the way, Maisha, your book is one of the books that I put in my book proposal. 
as a competitive title. Oh, amazing. Just so you know. Yay. Thanks for writing that book. Of course. My pleasure. Yeah, I mean, Um, and both books are needed. Both books are important. So I hope the category is developing. That's going to be great. Yeah. 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 And it's it's so needed. I mean, what you said, Maisha, is so true. It's so outdated what people, the books that people go to. And it's just, it's, it's a mess. So we're changing that. Um, but in the meantime, um, dating culture is not a thing that exists out there that we just have to go along with dating culture, romantic culture, relationship culture is something that every single one of us individually contributes to. And so by deciding to transcend by deciding to own who you are, by deciding to go deeper into what actual compatibility for you really looks like you are doing a service to not only to yourself, but to everyone, because we need to go deeper because the shallow way that we've been dating is clearly not working for most people. So, yeah. I agree. Can I add something else that I feel just called to say? And that is that for my clients who don't fit in that box of traditional relationship escalator monogamy, or at least like they're open to the possibilities of how they can relate with a partner over time. Um, they may not completely adhere to traditional gender roles, et cetera. Like for me, and I totally identify with all of those things too. Community is so important community of people that sees you, that gets you, that isn't trying to change you, that's even excited to be like, you have to meet my friend Maceo. He's amazing. This is his vibe, you know, Um, and to have a shared language around the things that you are looking for, you know, in traditional spaces, specifically in like app-based dating, there's a lot of people who are looking for that kind of relationship escalator. They don't know any different. They don't want any different, you know? And so it's very difficult to have a shared language with someone who is like, but no, like we just date for a while, get engaged, get married, have the kids, do the whole thing. Right. And if you don't do that, then that's not love. Like that does not fall within their idea of love. You have a different idea of what love could look like in your life. And I fully wholeheartedly believe that you deserve to have that whole picture that you have in your head of what love is manifested, you know, like it is. And it's so hard because I remember back in the day, like going to therapy and being like, this is before, this was like before I went back to school for psychology and all this. And just being like, I just I'm not going to be for anybody like nobody. I'm just not for people. Like I am not going to be somebody who has the things that I want, you know, seems like everybody wants something else and I don't get that. And so I'm just not going to get what I want, you know? And my therapist kind of like laughed at me and she's just like, Oh my gosh, this, this is very dramatic. Um, and now I have clients who say the same thing to me. So I understand how she feels, you know, or how she felt in that moment but it was so important for me to shift my mindset, which I did while I was in grad school to this idea of like going out with people, having experiences. And if that rejection came, I would literally coach myself and be like, I'm just not their flavor. Like there's a lot of beautiful flavors out in the world. 
I like certain flavors, certain flavors I really like, but then they give me a tummy ache. Like that's not a good flavor then, (laughs) you know, like I'm attracted to it. I have it is great, but it doesn't actually work for me. But there's a lot of people for whom you will be their flavor. Yeah. 100%. So, uh, Franny, this is the part where I was saying, I know you have a, a, a perspective on rejection or like a thing that you coach on and how, how it helps you, you know, create your filters or, or, or something like that. And would you be able to share what that is, your framework? Well, my motto, I have a motto about rejection, right. which is rejection isn't real. It's not real. <laughs> no, rejection isn't real. I say that because the thing is about rejection is not it, rejection is never an objective fact. It's a story, right? Like someone, even someone not wanting to date somebody, somebody breaking up with you, somebody sit, not wanting to date you. Even if you were to go on a first date and somebody were to look at you and be like, nah, this is never going to happen. And they get up and walk out. I understand rejection is a feeling but your feelings are not facts, right? Because rejection is ultimately a story because there are, um, and, it's a, and it's a harmful story because it's a story that dents your self-esteem, it dents your confidence, it makes you feel less worthy, it makes you feel diminished because somebody doesn't want to romantically engage with you in whatever way. Um, and you know, going back to what I was saying earlier, like I'm all about just empowering yourself I want people to know that you are born worthy and nothing anyone can ever do can take away that fundamental inherent worthiness that you have. So when I say rejection isn't real, I just mean that if you call some, if you call a romantic disappointment or even a heartbreak rejection, now you are dealing with the emotion of the disappointment or the mourning, the loss of what you thought what was going to be or what it, all of that. And now you're adding on top of that a layer of, and that person didn't think I was good enough. And I'm co-signing that on a level by calling it rejection. You could just say, yeah, my heart was broken or I'm disappointed and I've got to get over this. I'm moving on. But rejection is a really harmful label. So I don't like to use it. And sometimes it is is protection. And if you have faith, and I also think it's hard to, I don't know how you can navigate dating. I don't know how you can navigate life (laughs) without some type of faith that, um, that somehow life is ultimately on your side and that things are happening in your highest good. And even when they, things happen that are unwanted, because we're all going to have things that are unwanted, that's life. We don't get to have, we don't get to have a magic wand and just get everything that we want all the time. Um, those are opportunities for us to grow, for us to learn, for us to, um, set a higher standard for ourselves, to know ourselves better. So um, I really just always want to encourage people to, to make, to take the lessons and derive the meaning that your romantic experiences have been showing up to teach you and make sure you're not telling yourself any story about those experiences that is disempowering or, or makes you feel less likely that you will have the love that you want. Because I believe that everyone can, if you have a desire, if you have a sincere desire in your heart for something, I believe that it's available to you. So, and if it's not shown up yet, then it's just, okay, let's get strategic because most people are terrible at dating and no one teaches us how to date in any meaningful and cohesive way. So there are a lot of people who are running around with a deep desire for love, for partnership, for intimacy, and the way that they're going about it is completely not 
it's it's unlikely to happen based on the strategy that they're using. And it starts with how you think about love, how you think about yourself in relation to love, what you believe for yourself. Last thing I'll say, and then I'll shut up. Because like back in the day when I was online and, um, you know, all the data, you know, back when I'm, uh, I'm blanking on the book title, um, the Christian Rudder book, the OkCupid book, the founder of OkCupid wrote this book. Is it? Is it Dataclism? Anyway. Dataclism. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Dataclism. So that when that book, I was online when that book came out. And there's all these stats about how black women are the least favorite, the least message, the least da, da, da. all these articles. And I was just like, you know what? None of this serves me. So if somebody doesn't want to date me because I'm black, guess what? You're doing me a favor by not responding to my message. And I just didn't let it penetrate my being. Right. And I killed it online. I killed it. I was one of the most popular people on OkCupid in New York City. <laughs> okay. And I totally transcended all of that because I'm like, who cares about the people who don't want to date me? I'm not interested in the people who don't want to date me. I'm only interested in the people who do. Yeah. yeah. I think there's a lot of sorting criteria you could put on who is an acceptable like romantic candidate, but probably at the top of that list should be, you know, or at least for me is uh, that this person actually likes me, that this person actually likes you. Um, but yeah, so this wasn't supposed to be a deep dive uh, or even a working session on my life. But uh, formally, I wanted to introduce Francesca Hoagie to Maisha Battle. Maisha Battle, this is my friend, Francesca Hoagie, and make sure that the two of you are connected because I know you're experts in your space and to kind of kick off the conversation. Um, the rest of the conversation happens between you and your clients or between the client, your clients and each other. So where do people find you? Um, sure. So I'm pretty easy to find because I'm at Dear Franny everywhere. I'm on all social media. I have a podcast called Dear Franny. Um, and that's about love and relationships, particularly about dating. Um, and I have a TED talk about my vision for a brighter, brighter romantic future for all that'll be out this fall. So people can be on the lookout for that. But if they're following me on social, they'll definitely know when it's out. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. So you can find everything that you need to know about me at myishabattle.com. I'm at myishabattle on Instagram and Twitter. And at myishabattle.com, you can find information on how to buy my book. I also have a monthly e-zine that I make to help people explore topics of sexuality in like a fun, concise way. Uh, the squirting issue just came out, which is really fun. And um, <laughs> just trying to give people adult sex education in a forum that feels accessible. And um, it's it's a fun way for me to also like address little Q&As, little like advice column there. And um, I do a video in there too. I don't have any like YouTube videos. All my stuff is through the e-zine. So check it out. Awesome. Maisha, Franny, thank you so much for your time um, and your energy. I think this is going to be a great um, uh, place for people to get information and also just to hear um, different perspectives on this matter. If you're listening, reach out to Franny, reach out to Maisha, check out what they're doing. They're incredible online. And of course, 
you know, subscribe, leave a review and tell people about the friend show. Thank you so much and have a good day. This episode of The Friend Show was recorded live in Detroit and is brought to you by my Patreon subscribers. It was edited by Post House and a special thanks goes out to the person who let me cut in front of him earlier this week when I failed to merge into the left-hand turning lane. Thank you to whoever you are and a good old friendship wave to you.